Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful. And for the faithful, I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Good. I guess. Uh, yeah, that was one of the biggest sequences of pain in the Edmonton Oilers franchise history. Um, giving up that lead to the Toronto Maple Leafs in the second period, Bruce. And um, what can you say? It was just, um, it was rancid. The Oilers lost 7-4 mm-hmm. after leading in this game 3-1. to um, But uh, Toronto did have the flow of play tonight, to be uh, oh, yeah. to be fair. Some of that, um, some of that related to the refereeing in the game. Um, <clears throat> when the orders got up, the refs stopped. When the refs, when the orders got up, the refs stopped calling penalties on Toronto. Anyway, the flow of play was 18 grade A shots for the Leafs, 10 for the Oilers. And uh, when it comes to the subcategory of five alarm shots, even more dangerous shots, Toronto um, had 10 and the Oilers had five. So it was a weird game, and I found a particularly hard game to grade Stuart Skinner. Because 18 grade A shots is a lot of shots. And, you know, 10 five-alarm shots is a lot of five-alarm shots. The expected goals would be about five against um, for that amount of shots. And um, he did let in six. So, but the the grade A shots they had were of the highest quality, Bruce. It was a very, very um, difficult game for the goalie. And I couldn't really fault him on a lot. Anyway, uh, we're going to go to our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast bruce what do you say good thing oh good thing (laughs) yeah okay uh i'm going to go with the play of uh nick bukestad who uh i've kind of liked and ever since he's come on board i like what he brings uh what uh, caught my eye in this game was a couple of 200 foot back checks where he took his man all the way back into the defensive corner and then finished him off into the boards. Uh, uh, he actually earned an assist on a play, something like that, where he came back deep into his own territory and the puck popped free to uh, Evan Bouchard, who was able to uh, to hit uh, Connor McDavid with... Uh, uh, with the puck and uh, good things happen thereafter. Uh, I just, uh, I, I think he seems like a reliable guy. Like he's smart. He's in good position a lot. He's okay on the dot. You know, he, he just does a lot of things. And, and uh, I frankly liked his uh, his defensive game in, in this one. And this was a game where uh, good defensive play kind of stood out because it was lonely. There wasn't enough of it uh, on the Edmonton side of the puck for sure. Um, but that was one player who I thought uh, brought an honest effort for the, how long did he play in this game? Uh, 12 minutes and 26 seconds. Basically nine minutes at evens and three and a half on the penalty kill. Yeah, he cost the Edmonton Oilers uh, a really good prospect in Michael Kesselring, uh, mm-hmm. who was uh, probably the best defenseman prospect right now at uh, Bakersfield. Maybe Marcus Niemelainen's ahead of him, but I don't, you know, Niemelainen's window may have come and gone, whereas Kesselring has, I think, at least one more year left on his ELC. Yeah, he has one more year left on his ELC. Right. So that was a big price to pay, and they yes. also paid a third-round draft pick, I think, for the 
you know, one of them was for the cap retention and the other one was for, was for the player, I, th- I think. But um, I've really liked uh, Nick Bukestad as well, Bruce. I just, he, from one thing, the, the Oilers did need, I think, more size on this team. And um, especially on the bottom, in their bottom six forwards, you know, uh, with the forwards, every time you're, you know, you're running Derek Ryan and Kyler Yamamoto right away, you're, you know, you're, you're going to have a smaller group just because of those two players. So he makes up, he's, I think, six, five, six, six, and um, he's aggressive. He led the team with four hits tonight. Um, the the, yes. the battle, battle won on the goal, um, McDavid's goal. Was a was a physical battle that he won along the boards. I like mm-hmm. I really like him on the PK. I like big lanky players on the PK. I think it's a good idea. I think they just are more able to block off passing lanes. I never could understand why Yesapoliarvi never got a chance at that in Edmonton. Uh, so he's I think he's uh, doing a good job there. So I agree with your assessment. He he had a good game, and uh, yeah, I liked his I liked his play just fine. What did I give him? I think I gave him a six. Six. I mean, he, there wasn't a lot of offensive, you know, there was that one offensive play was the, you know, which happened in his own end. But again, as you say, he was solid on defense. Um, Bruce, my good thing was the partnership. And I think you might have picked this partnership last game of Matthias Ekholm and Evan Bouchard. They uh, they led the Oilers defensemen in even strength ice time. And Bouchard led all Oilers defensemen in ice time playing um, almost, he played 24 59, I think, in this game. 2449, 2459, 2459. And um, Ekholm scored a great goal. I mean, he, uh, it was a weird goal because although it was a heck of a shot, uh, I mean, it did go in under the crossbar, but nonetheless, it was so, so far out. And the goalie, Matt Murray, had a clear look at that shot. There wasn't traffic to speak of um, as that shot was being released, and yet he was unable to save it. So it was, a strange goal, and it was a nice shot, great shot. But man, the goalie's got to have that from that far out, I think. Anyway, he scored. Um, Evan Bouchard's—he's um, looking good out there, Bruce. I mean, the 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 play that we talked about, where Bukestad won the puck on the boards, he put it back to mm-hmm. Bouchard, and Bouchard made a very smart deke with the puck, just quick feint. Um, kind of moving back against the grade of play and then whipped the puck up to center ice to Connor McDavid, who then um, cut across the ice in the offensive end and slammed home the shot. Just a very, very difficult moment for uh, for Matt Murray on that shot, I have to say, because you don't never know where Connor McDavid's going to put that puck when he's, when he's wide open in the slot like that. But Bouchard's... Um, offensive smarts and passing of the puck was was just really top drawer and it wasn't his only good play he made uh another uh major contribution to a um a great a shot so he he's just playing um his best hockey i think as an nhler right now and i'd like to say it's exactly what i expected because this is what i did expect when i when i imagined evan bouchard as an nhler having seen his skill set in Sweden and as a rookie and and junior hockey. This is the player that I thought we'd see in Edmonton. Now, it was a little delayed, more than I thought it was going to be. I thought we might see it or certainly earlier this year, but last year in the playoffs, he certainly showed flashes of this. But this is his best stretch of hockey, I think, that we've seen uh, from Evan Bouchard. So he and Ekholm, uh, um, they really got the job done. Nurse and CeCe struggled a bit more. Um, at even strength, um, they gave up a pretty nasty goal against. 
And um, these guys didn't. They were they were solid in their own end, generally speaking. There was a few mistakes by Bouchard. Uh, I don't think. Home too. Yeah, there was there was a few mistakes, but um, overall, I thought they they got the job done. Yeah, two more assists for Bouchard tonight, and you're right that that trade couldn't have shaped up any better for him. It was not only a righty for a lefty that changed the balance on the uh, defense, but it was the righty who was kind of in his way in terms of having the same kind of um, skill set, uh, you know, offense first, power play, driver, uh, guy, and Tyson Berry. So getting him moved out of the way and bringing in a lefty who's not only shoring up the defense, but is actually Bush's new partner. And they're really clicking together. Like that was uh, that was a whole bunch of positive arrows for Bush in that trade. And a vote of confidence, I have to say, too, from management that they thought he was ready to take on the job. And they uh, uh, they uh, they gave him a, a gold-plated opportunity. And so far, he's played, to my eyes, you know, six pretty good games as uh, uh, in his new role playing. Uh, uh, higher in the lineup against tougher opponents, and uh, he's holding his own. Bruce, what is your bad thing? Oh, my bad thing. Well, I could whine and complain about the lousy feed on Hockey Night in Canada for one of the most anticipated Saturday night games of the season. Uh, I don't know if you got it because I'm not sure what uh, what you're using, but the the feed on no, mine was fine. on HNIC and I heard it got lots of sort of yeah, mine too from people it was wretched. It was like it was shot on a on a flip phone or something, and and it was just very very laggy and uh, just the turnover rate wasn't correct. So that, there was that which was poor. Uh, there was the officiating which was not good. Uh, but <clears throat> I'm going to choose the bad thing. And the main reason that the Edmonton Oilers lost this game wasn't the feed and it wasn't the refereeing. It was their own inability to handle pressure. And when Toronto ramped up the pressure on the puck battles, it seemed like the Oilers lost way more of them than they won. And they just, I mean, I'm not saying they didn't try, but Toronto raised their game to a level that Oilers could not match. And Toronto was winning all kinds of little battles, whether it was picking off passes that were ill-advised on a couple of goals or just winning little battles along the boards like Austin Matthews lifting Darnell Nurse's stick on what looked like a routine shoot back in uh, after some Oilers pressure. And all of a sudden it's a 2-1-1 the other way because of the perfect timing of Matthews' stick lift. And of course the predictable Twitter all over Darnell Nurse again. Uh, result that was a good play by Matthews, but it was another example of of Toronto winning a puck battle against Edmonton. Uh, I think Kyle Yamamoto he maybe lost four battles in a row on the on the first uh, Toronto goal. Uh, just was a half beat behind the play the whole time behind the guy he should be checking, split second late getting to the lane, all that stuff, and there just weren't enough. One battles, um, defensemen, wingers, centers, you name it. I just Toronto raised their intensity level and Edmonton kind of fell apart, to be honest. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. And it started. Okay, I thought I thought the order 
I thought the Oilers were going to win this game just based on like Matt Murray's play in the first period. Like he let in two rancid goals. His play on his Evander Kane's um, his play on Evander Kane's wraparound was like he just lost his net completely. He was way out of position. He went way over to the side. Kane was wasn't even coming into the post. Like he he wasn't even a threat to go to the net on that play as he's coming down the wing. And Murray's way over to the side, so he's in no place to stop the wraparound. And then there's Ekholm shot, which which um, was an outside shot, even though it was a good shot. So I thought the Oilers have this, like they get up three to one. This game looks in hand. The Oilers were playing hard, and they kept playing for they kept playing hard to give them credit. But man, Ryan McLeod's um, giveaway. If he was a whipping boy right now in in oil country, and he's not because everyone likes this player and he's a good young player. Was that ever a mistake? Like in terms of mistakes this year, Bruce, that's that's in the top five. Like they're like like not counting the goalies, mm-hmm. just just mistakes because there's there's he had two other options on this play. The yep. puck's the Edmonton end. He fetches it. The, most of the Toronto guys are going to shift off. There's Mitch Marner up the ice, kind of in the middle of the ice, and there's on one side is Cody Cece, on the other side is Darnell Nurse, McLeod. Um, he could have skated the puck up the ice. Yes, Marner was pressuring him. But the easiest play was Cody's, Cody Cece. He doesn't have to pass through Mitch Marner to get to Cody Cece. He just has to pass back against the grain to Cody Cece. Mm-hmm. He just has to, to flip the puck over to the boards, and there's Cody Cece standing there. He doesn't do that. Instead, he, he's going to pass the puck in front of his own goalie um, to Darnell Nurse, who's breaking up the ice. And he gets off a lame little wobbly pass which Marner picks off and rapidly with his brilliance uh, brilliant hands deposits behind Stuart Skinner and um you know in old-timey coaches used to go crazy over that kind of play passing the puck in front of your own net was the number one taboo in hockey that was um decried uh, on ice rinks across Canada that is no longer the case at the highest level of hockey NHL teams are much more, um, well, they just realize there's so little space on the ice and the players are so highly skilled. You've got to try that pass. You've got to make that pass um, through the middle of the ice, up the middle of the ice. Um, but it's only been in the last five five to ten years that NHL teams have adopted that attitude. For the Oilers, I think it's about the last five years. I think it was Tippett, actually, who said, mm-hmm. oh, let's, let's start passing it up the middle more. And it really works. It's a good play. But that wasn't an example of it being a good play. That is the that is a prime example of when you have a, a obvious other plays. You know, that's a good play when there's really tight forechecking and there's so little room up the boards. You just got to do it. You got to go up the middle because that's open. This wasn't open, and it wasn't a good pass. And there was other way better options. And McLeod deservedly got benched for the rest of the period. Um, it was yep. a. It, it was. Anyway, we know, you know, I know that he is beating himself up more than anyone else for a play like that. That's a, that's, he's not feeling good about that one. And apparently um, after the game, um, Daniel uh, Nugent Bowman is reporting after the game, the press wanted to talk to McLeod and DeHarnay and the owner's leadership group said, no, uh, you're not getting those two. You'll, you'll talk to Evander Kane and Zach Hyman. And, and I give credit to the owner's leadership group. They don't need, you know. They don't need more people beating up on them. They will be beating up on themselves. And, yeah. you know, 
and they, hopefully they won't listen to this podcast because uh, here I am beating up on them. But this is just this is just a, a description of what happened, and it's fair. And it's a beating fair. up on the plays that they made, and that's the distinction. Uh, yeah, it's possible not, to criticize the play without necessarily, uh, you know, ripping the player a new one. I mean, he's responsible for the play, but he's responsible for lots of things. And yeah. to me, what we do on an ongoing basis is we cr- critique tonight's performance as opposed to the actors, you know, I mean, they, they have good nights and bad. And uh, this night there was some bad for sure. In <laughs> deed. The second bad I'm going to focus on is the next goal against, which mm-hmm. is another turnover. This one isn't as bad because um, they, um, the puck is being advanced to the order's end, kind of a quick break off the ice counterattack. And there's four, a four checker right on Vinny DeHarnay. Right. And he tries to... It is one of those situations where all the Oilers forwards were hitting up the ice, were charging Mm -hmm. up the ice. Not enough that I would blame um, the guys who were charging up the ice. And DeHarnay could have put the puck off the boards. Again, there was a safer play to be made than trying to pass it up the middle like he did, and it was picked off and then passed to the center of the ice. And I think it was Nylander who scored. And, you know, Fogel was a little – Fogel got puck watching and didn't cover Nylander. So there's – you know, he was also to blame here. But this was another turnover by Vinny DeHarnay. You know, he, he is not obviously um, J.C. Tremblay with the puck, Bruce. Mm-hmm. He he had mandatory 1970s sports reference. He is, um, you know, but he's not Marcus Niemelainen either. I think he's a little better than that. I think he's a bit better than, than um, he's okay-ish <laughs> with the puck. It's not his forte. Man, is he ever great when he doesn't have the puck, of course. And he was a force on the PK, um, which was needed f- from the Oilers because of the, the number of penalty kills they had. But that was a turnover. <coughs> that was a mistake that he made. And um, and and again, he might have tried a more conservative play, but this wasn't. It wasn't nearly in the same category as the McLeod gaffe. He did have pressure on him, and Toronto did press, and then he forced some of these mistakes. Uh, McLeod really didn't. And in fact, the McLeod play. Uh, even if he was trying to pass to Darnell Nurse, he kind of muffed the pass because it would have gone like five feet behind Nurse on the other side of the ice. And instead it went right on the stick of Marner. And uh, my recollection of the play, and I haven't gone through it in any detail, is that this was one of those plays where Toronto was pressing Oilers and the Oilers couldn't get the puck out of their own end for, you know, three hours or whatever the heck it was. And then finally they got full possession in the corner and the Toronto guys, I thought we were all going off for a change. And it was I thought, finally, we're going to get this thing out of here. And then he does yeah. that. Puts it right on the stick of uh, Toronto's highest uh, point scorer, right in front of the Edmonton net with no one around him. Boom. Oh. And good, that game started to get away from Edmonton in that split second. And they never really got it back. Yeah, I mean, Toronto, they were determined to come back in this game. <clears throat> and maybe I'll just go to my number right away because this relates to that. My mm-hmm. number, my, we're going to do our numbers now. My number is 10 and 1. Um, 10 and 1 refers to the grade A shots. 10 this game, excuse me, for five alarm shots. Five alarm, 10 five alarm shots for the Toronto Maple Leafs this mm-hmm. game. The last time the Oilers played the Leafs, the Leafs had one. The Leafs were embarrassed by the Oilers last game. Such was the domination of the Edmonton Oilers in that game, the 5-2 win in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. It was an embarrassing, ugly and an embarrassing uh, performance by the Leafs where they were never in the game and showed little heart, little oomph. 
this game they show just how dangerous they are as, a, as an attacking team if you let them if you let them attack give them space and if they're determined and are ready to put in a good effort this is obviously a very good team it was nice to actually to see the leafs play like this on a certain level because it's nice to see like it's such a high functioning offensive team really rev it up and i give them full credit they just created the most monster of chances to score those goals i mean they, they were just they, they, other than the you know the Nylander goal was just a great a shot but the other ones were five alarm shots that went in and you know um toronto really um made a statement i think they did that um mm-hmm. you know they, a big win for them they're gonna. They're not gonna let Edmonton uh, run their show, and that's what happened in the first game. And mm-hmm. um, I don't think overall that Toronto was. You know, it's not like the owners were dominated like the Leafs were in their Leafs loss. Edmonton actually pr- had good fight in this game, and it was really close. And McDavid had a chance. Um, Lauren Fogle set him up on the doorstep yeah. uh, about seven minutes into the third period. And if McDavid had scored, um, it would have been a one-goal game and game on. That was Edmonton's last best chance. I, and I felt that right at the moment. Like, that's it. The game's over when he didn't score because they were down two. And and that was such a great chance. And you'd expect them almost to score, even though, you know, it's not, it's it wasn't, it's not like an 80% scoring chance play. It was more like a 40, 50% chance well, for McDavid. had the first chance and he put it over the net. And then, yeah. he, reco- then he recovered and made a good pass to McDavid. But Did he ever? Anyway. What's your number? Was, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, five minutes and 59 seconds. And that was the turning point in this game from uh, uh, 12.56 of the second. Mitch Marner scores, 14.49 of the second. William Nylander scores. This was the one poor goal on Skinner, I thought. He really looked weak. Nylander's, the slider yeah. through the five-holder. Uh, 15.56, then Tavares scores. And 18.55, Tavares scores again on the power play on a kind of a lucky bounce off a shin pad that went back. And a good play by Tavares to actually wheel and fired on the net before Skinner was ready. And basically the Oilers collapsed in that part of the game. I mean, they won the rest of the game 4-3, but they lost that part of the game 4 nothing, And they just couldn't stop the bleeding. And it was, you know, just the Toronto pressure just uh, just got to them. And they weren't, uh, uh, they couldn't get it over their own blue line. It was just, you know, it was uh, very frustrating to watch. And there was, just before that one, it was 3-1, and we were kind of getting to the midway part of the game. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe this is it, that the team has finally solved it, and we're going to cruise into the playoffs, and we can finally put the rest of this business of having to clinch the playoff berth in the last three games of the regular season. But nope, they're going to go down to the end again, because... I just can't seem to put it together for any length of time. And as for bonus numbers, two and two road trip uh, with uh, uh, 15 goals for and 18 goals against. And that includes just six goals for and the two wins, but only four goals against. But getting outscored by an outrageous uh, 14 to nine in the two games I lost, seven five and seven four on the two Saturday night games, and both times I just had a, a defensive nightmare uh, with Jack Campbell kind of stealing the show on the first one, uh, but it wasn't just his problem. It was not a good team effort, and then against Buffalo and Boston they were fine, and then tonight it was just more real shoddy defensive play. Yeah. 
Just and, and not even like just weird that like it was got almost like weird defensively like Nurse's mistake and Deharney's mistake in McLeod. It was like one guy making a mistake that <clears throat> caved it all in. It wasn't like a, <clears throat> a, a multiple snafus on the same plane necessarily, but that's, that's how it goes sometimes. Bruce, on this road trip, <clears throat> not this road trip, excuse me, this last stretch of seven games, mm-hmm. I had mentioned this earlier this year how worried I was because it was Boston, mm-hmm. Toronto, Winnipeg, Winnipeg. Buffalo, Boston, Toronto. <clears throat> and when the orders weren't playing well and I looked ahead on the schedule, I was thinking, oh, man, this is just that's going to be brutal. Turns out the orders won four out of those seven games. So I'm well pleased, actually, four out of the, I would have taken like heading in if someone said you can win four out of the seven. I would say that's really good. And, and that was really good. That was a very good stretch of hockey. They were a little lucky to beat the Bruins and maybe a little unlucky tonight um, with the refs and with the um, with the um, um McLeod's mistake, but I mean that's a mistake. That's an own own you own yourself with that one. But I just no. that's I still think that's a good record for wins in those seven games against teams like that. That you know, good for the yeah. the Oilers. It's well, not bad s- at all. They split with the Jets. They split <clears throat> with the Bruins. They split with the Leafs, and they beat the Sabers. So they won. I saw it as a seven game series when I was looking for four wins as well. Four four one and two would have been a lot better though. Like they only got eight points. From the seven games, so they've done, you know, nothing to separate themselves from the pack other than they got through this stretch of games. And now the onus is on them to, when they are playing weaker teams, they got to win those games, you know, take those games seriously. When you're playing, I don't care if it's San Jose or Arizona or Anaheim, you know, uh, take it to them. Put the pressure on them and overwhelm those other teams. When you're the better team, prove it. Tonight the Leafs were the better team, and you know it's hard to hard to accept or swallow for Leafs or Oilers fans, especially those who hate the Leafs. Uh, but the Leafs were the better team tonight and deserved the win. Uh, I see the Avs beat the uh, uh, Arizona in overtime. I was. Oh, I hate that one. When a when a good team steals the second point in overtime against the team they should beat for fun and regulation. Yeah. Oh well. Alrighty, Bruce. Winnipeg won their game in overtime yeah. as well. Vegas won. Vegas yeah. won, yeah. This is not a good day for the Edmonton Oilers, and uh, not quite sure what the answer is. But uh, well, they've got uh, some tough games coming up too. They got Ottawa, uh, who's you know still battling for a playoff spot. They've got um, Dallas, I think, and um, Seattle. So uh, and then they get some easier games to to round out the year, but uh, no, that's uh, it's not going to be a a cakewalk. You know, you're right. I win tonight, and suddenly things look very rosy. Like the when the Flames lost recently, their their chance of winning the playoffs went down like 14 percent in one night. Last night, when chance I lost of making at home the playoffs. Yeah, went down 14. I think it was 14 percent, like something like from 42 to to 28 percent. Yeah. Um, Dom Lachishan of the Athletic was reporting. So that was one loss can be significant. And, um, you know, I think the orders still have like they've got at least probably what a 70 or 80 percent or 90 percent chance of making the plus somewhere in there. I'm not sure, but it's pretty good. But, but they got they're in a good spot. But, the, you know, they, they don't seem to be able to get the separation where they're kind of on cruise control. Last year it came late in the year, and other years they've made it, it's come. Late in the year, possibly the I guess the year of the Canadian division, they were kind of cruising by the last month. Uh, 
that whole season was kind of different, but uh, they don't seem to have the gift of making it easy on themselves. No, they do not. When you're leading 3-1 halfway through a game and you wind up giving up six goals in the second half of the game, you know, upset. Just as a brief aside before we go, out. I was thinking about the Bugstad's play tonight, and I was then thinking about them trading Ray Kesselring. And I checked out our prospect listing, and, yeah, the Oilers' cupboard is really bare when it mm-hmm. comes to prospects now. So on our prospect list from September, the the highest-rated defenseman was Philip Broberg. The, we rated him as the top Oilers prospect. Right. Next was Marcus Niemelainen at six. Mm-hmm. Um, whose window may or may not be closing. I think this is his last year on his ELC, is it? See on his ELC this uh, year? He, no, he signed, uh, he, he signed uh, I think he signed a two-year extension. <clears throat> and this is the first year of that. At, at oh, moment. okay. So he, he could be, okay. Anyway, Come so Nima Lina was sixth. Samarukov seventh. Samarukov's been traded. Yeah. Uh, DeHarnay is now an oiler, so he's graduated and Broberg's graduated. So there's the two young defensemen who have graduated, right? So that's good. Castle Ring was 13th uh, overall and he's been traded. And then next is, so in, in this, in the uh, system next season, um, if Niemelainen, I guess Niemelainen will be in the system if he's, unless someone picks him up on waivers, unlikely. But is Luca Munzenberger, who's was 17th. And after that, Phil Kemp, who was 19th. And after that, Maximus Wanner, who was uh, 21st. Now, Wanner's been suspended for the year in the Western Hockey League for some kind of disciplinary infraction that nobody knows what it was. But it was serious enough that uh, that with about 20 games left in the season, he and uh, three other teammates were suspended. So, um, and I think he, he's got one more year of junior eligibility left because he's a March 2003 birth date. Although I could yeah, be. He'll, he'll be turning pro this fall. Oh, he will, eh? Yeah. So it's I guess it'd be Wanner. Since the draw, he got drafted in 21. Wanner and Nima Linen will be the top prospects, prospect demon, if Munzenberger doesn't turn pro. And I don't suspect that he will because he's still got a lot to develop in his game, I think. So I, I just, you know, I think the orders are going to be drafting a defenseman. Uh, do they have a second round pick this year? Are they. Nope. Hmm. They can trade. No, wait a minute. They got a second. They traded the first, third, and fourth. So they got a second. That's what I thought. The first 120. Yeah. Okay. So I'll bet you they draft a defenseman for sure with that pick. And uh, maybe they'll trade someone uh, and get a pick. I don't know if they can get a second pick for anyone that Mm -hmm. they trade, but I suspect they're going to trade one or two players anyway. Bruce, let's leave it there. Yeah. Thanks for talking tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. Oh, I forgot to mention they got uh, Phil Kemp also in the yeah. minors. There yeah, he, he he's moved up on Munzenberger and others in my rankings. But yeah, he, he may be he may be but, higher. Okay. Thanks again. Bye bye. Good night.